My name is Tom Abbott from the University of Warwick. Issues about how we perceive our bodies have returned to the headlines. Last year, skinny models were banned from the Spanish catwalks, and the appearance this year of size zero dresses on the high streets has excited a lot of comment. A Radio 1 survey has found that more than half of women would consider plastic surgery, or that they had skipped a meal to try and lose weight. And the survey also found that more men were concerned with their body image, with one in five taking protein supplements to build muscle. Dr Karen Throsby of Warwick's Department of Sociology has studied the relationship between gender and the body and people's experience of weight loss surgery. Karen, were you initially surprised by the results of the Radio 1 survey? Not at all. Um, I think what surprised me more is that it became such a big news story because this is a very old story, in fact, um, and, and every year, a couple of times a year, we have these stories where surveys are done um, and women in particular express... Um, body dissatisfaction to varying degrees and then are sort of invited to talk about the things that they do or that they might consider doing in order to change their body size or appearance. Mm. And so these stories recur and and everybody sort of throws their hands up in horror at the dissatisfaction that many of these women experience. Um, but it doesn't it doesn't seem to take us forwards really in terms of thinking about what underlies both that body dissatisfaction, which I agree is, is deeply problematic, but also the, the media's response to it, which I think is very interesting. We seem to have a situation at the moment where there are a lot of confused messages about, about, body, about our bodies out there. I mean, there's a lot of uh, discussion and concern about a growing obesity crisis, and yet, on the other hand, um, a lot of concern about an obsession with being too thin. Um, is it surprising that we find people are very confused about how they should perceive their bodies? No, I don't think it's surprising at all. I think the the, the contemporary context of the what's being called the obesity epidemic tells everybody, um, and I think especially women, that fatness of any kind, of over, being overweight, is unacceptable. And there's a kind of very strong moral judgment attached to that that kind of builds this very anti-fat sentiment um, that I think is feeding into a lot of these fears about body size that, that precede the, the sort of current crisis around obesity, certainly. But I think it contributes to that. And then this, this concern about extreme thinness is also a very long-standing concern, but kind of reached another of its little peaks in 1997 when the Labour government came into power and they held this sort of body image summit that was very strongly related to media images with these ideas that these images, the, the very, very slim models and so on, were somehow causing women, particularly young women, to develop disordered eating. And so you've got these, these two messages coming at women from, from either end. And they kind of contribute to this wider message that I think is at the core of the problem, which is that women are taught to um, value their own appearance as being representative of themselves in some way. We've always had concerns about our appearance and you know, throughout history people have always looked to improve their appearance with makeup or jewellery or clothing and things. But this, the, the obsession with weight seems to be something of our age. Yes. Is, why, why do we have this obsession? Where has it come from? I don't know where the obsession comes from except that it's, it's one of those elements about the body that is potentially amenable to change and it becomes very easily attached to those moral judgments about people who can be bothered and who people who can't be bothered so it allows us to make judgments about people who are 
taking an active interest in themselves or appear to be taking an active interest in themselves rather than not. And that's become a dimension of good citizenship in that sense of taking care of yourself. And I think with particularly in relation to women, that is seen very much in terms of physical appearance rather than physical performance or function. Mm. And that's a very continuous trend of that women should concern themselves with how they look and that somehow reflects the self and and the individual's kind of moral value. And the the, the current kind of obsession around food and around surgery is simply one more dimension of those things that women have kind of been told they should do to their bodies in mm. order to conform and to be normal. Who's doing the telling? Um, a lot of the blame for this has been placed at the doors of the media. Mm. But is the media entirely to blame? No, absolutely not. I think it's very problematic and oversimplistic to say that these, you know, there's pictures of skinny women make young women stop eating. That That very simplistic equation or the um, very slim women on the catwalk and so on. Um, the idea that that kind of hypodermic model of the media where we just sort of take in messages without sort of critically evaluating them or negotiating them, I think is very problematic. In terms of body size, we can see very clearly that there's a very strong push from um, the medical domain, a very strong push on the policy domain in terms of the costs that are perceived to be attached to being overweight or being obese, for example. And then there are these sort of contemporary trends around the importance of constantly working on the body to produce the self that are very, very pervasive. And I think they're both produced by but also reflected in the media. We read those articles because we already recognise those values as having some meaning or significance socially. So I think it's a very complex relationship. And that's a relationship that's now impacting much more with men as well, isn't it? It's an area where perhaps uh, has been seen as being exclusively uh, the concern of women, but many men are now starting to get caught up in the, these issues around body image. Yes. I mean, I think clearly there is, there is a, a slight shift in the gendering of these practices and that more men are becoming involved in practices of body management, like dieting, um, surgery, and also these kind of the, the bulking up technologies. Um, but I think it's really important to distinguish between the two, that as, as problems and as potential health problems um, and self-esteem issues, these are very, very different. And I, firstly, because women, the, the extent of the engagement with these technologies, body technologies mm. among women, is so widespread, whereas with men it's much, much smaller. Um, but also the kinds of technologies that are being engaged with are very different. And the um, survey, the Radio 1 survey, makes quite a big deal about the fact that quite a lot of the men, like I think it was a fifth of the men, had taken protein powder. And there's the world of difference between taking protein drinks, which are um, a fairly well-recognised practice in terms of um, exercise, sport, and so on, um, compared to these sort of practices of starvation um, um, you know, uh, making yourself sick, taking diet drugs and so on. And so I think the, the attempt to draw parallels between the two is problematic because they're not the same. And that's not to say that men's concern over their bodies is not significant. But I don't think at the moment there is evidence of harm mm. in the same way that there is amongst um, women. I mean, issues of harm 
start to bring you, I suppose, into questions of whether this is a physical issue or a psychological issue. Um, and, I mean, you've done a lot of work looking at issues around weight loss surgery. Yeah. Um, what have you discovered in terms of people's motivation for doing it? Do people tend to, to think about it in the physical terms but really fail to understand it in psychological terms? I think in, this, in the case of weight loss surgery, it's a, a very unusual intervention and that it's a very drastic surgery which reduces the size of the stomach and the the length of the intestine. Um, It's a permanent change. It seriously affects the way you can eat um, over the the rest of your life unless you have it revised. And people think very carefully before they have it done because it is risky in terms of complications and potentially death. Um, And people spend a lot of time thinking about how they got to the point where they might need to have surgery and the overwhelming experience of most people who have surgery is just one of intense frustration at their inability to resolve this problem without having surgery that they have dieted they've had psychotherapy they've taken um, pharmaceuticals weight loss pharmaceuticals but for some reason which quite frankly nobody understands including the medical profession they they cannot sustain weight loss. They haven't been able to. And whether that's a psychological issue or whether that's um, a kind of hormonal or systemic issue that means that they the appetite can't be controlled, um, for whatever reason, that's, that's kind of where they've ended up. And a lot of work goes into thinking about how to have surgery in terms of trying to work out whether they're responsible for it or not because of the moral judgments that get placed on them and the idea that if it's in your mind you somehow should be able to resolve that is is, is all a deeply problematic sort of reading of, of psychological issues anyway. But the acceptance of this kind of surgery is, 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 is much readier uh, in our current climate. I mean uh, half of the women surveyed by Radio 1 said that they would consider plastic surgery um, and you know, we know that you look at sort of television plastic surgery and kind of uh, quick interventions to resolve um, issues around your appearance or your body weight are becoming much more popular aren't mm-hmm. they is there a danger that we kind of oversimplify um, the, the, the degree to which these kind of invasive uh, actions or the, the, the weight loss technology um, can be like a magic bullet mm. I think I think it's important to make a distinction between weight loss surgery and cosmetic surgery um, because they're very different practices. Um, that liposuction, for example, is a very is is a very different technology to weight loss surgery in that it produces, like all cosmetic surgeries, it aims to produce an immediate change to the body. Whereas weight loss surgery changes the way that the body functions, and then the weight loss occurs over several years after that. So it's a very different kind of surgery. It's not performed by cosmetic surgeons although it's often followed by cosmetic surgery to sort of um, repair sort of loose skin and so on. The, the rise in cosmetic surgery, I think, in some ways is very troubling because a lot of the TV shows do um, kind of understate risk and understate pain um, in that we only see the before and the after. We see very little of the during and of the, of the suffering and the time it takes for the swelling to go down. I also think it's important to note, though, that this survey asked whether people would consider having surgery, and considering it is a very different thing to having it. They don't. There's no statement of intent in the idea of considering it, and I think a lot of people would 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 think about it if you had a part of your body that you 
ideally would like to change it, you you might think about it, but that's not to say that you would do it because then people, and um, there's lots of so, um, social scientific evidence that shows that people do research the procedures that they have and they look at risks and they make a risk calculation. So I think, I, th- I think we have to kind of credit people with some kind of sense of responsibility about their own bodies. Having said that, I think it is very worrying that people are turning apparently increasingly to surgeries um, mm. to, to change the body because there are risks and consequences. And, and it's a lot of money and time and emotional investment. And I think to place that much um, weight on a body change as, as going to change your life is, is a very risky strategy mm. because it might not. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you raised there, I mean, the fact that none of this stuff whether it's plastic surgery or weight loss surgery, is cheap. Yeah. Um, a lot of this is quite expensive. It's expensive acti- an expensive activity. Um, and a lot of it's increasingly commercialised. Um, does that commercial aspect itself bring problems in terms of uh, it becomes marketed, it becomes encouraged? Um, I mean, we went through the 1980s with the kind of the in, the uh, emergence of the diet mm-hmm. uh, culture where you know, everybody was trying the new diets. And now it kind of seems that plastic surgery has, has kind of gone that way. It's everyone's trying the new uh, nose job or the new skin lift or this chemical peel or yes. this, that and the other. And um, who's to say that uh, weight loss surgery might not next become the, the kind of next commercialised activity? Yeah. Um, that commercialisation is a big problem, isn't it? It, it, it makes it a possibility, whereas it might not have been otherwise. It makes it more of a possibility. We see it around much more. It's advertised much which advertised on the radio um, particularly around Christmas for example you can buy gift vouchers to give to someone uh, um, for plastic surgery um, which is <laughs> an interesting <laughs> concept um, and, and I think it is an issue but I also think that it risks that an over focus on this risks sort of inflating the number of people who actually have these surgeries it's not that everybody's having it done um, more people are having it done and it's in the sort of tens of thousands of people who are undergoing surgeries, which is a lot. But it's not that everybody is rushing to have these these different technologies. I think one interesting element is the rise of these kind of minor um, procedures that you have to have repeated every few months, the injectables like Botox um, and the fillers and the lip, the lip fillers and things, um, which you can get kind of on the high street um, fairly easily. And I think they're very interesting in terms of being made available, being made to appear very simple and so on. Weight loss surgery, I still think, is a different um, scenario because it is so, it is such a major intervention that, and and it does have a a risk of of death or serious morbidity um, that you really do need to be in quite a difficult situation. So how, I mean, if we have a situation then where, you know, people are you know, have issues with their, their their body image. It's an increasing issue, increasing problem. Um, how do we how do we resolve that problem? Where do we go in terms of helping people yeah. get to grips with um, their perception of, of how they look? Mm. I mean, that is a huge question, and I don't know is the answer to that. But I think there's a couple of kind of signals in the survey and the the coverage of it that sort of point to a, a different kind of problem. I think, in a sense, the problem gets over-individualised. That this focus, for example, in the survey that 
uh, women who were size 12, quite a lot of the women, I think it was a third of women who were size 12, described themselves as overweight or fat. And this was reported um, on uh, the Today programme, for example, as being an example of a kind of distorted body image that actually ends up treating the individual as, as problematic, that they have a distorted image of their own body and they need to improve their confidence and self-esteem in order not to experience this dissatisfaction. Whereas, in fact, we can see from these wider messages that are circulating um, about the body that women particularly are expected to be dissatisfied with their body. I mean, it's been described in the literature as normative discontent, that it's very difficult socially for a woman to say, I love my body, it's perfect, I'm keeping it just as it is, especially if she is overweight, for example, that we're not allowed to be happy with our bodies at the same time as we're being told we must be confident about them. And I think that is, a, is an absolutely central issue, that women are expected to be dissatisfied. And the BBC um, health information website actually, um, whilst kind of um, being quite appalled at this survey, and I think there are many elements of it that are very frightening, um, directs you to its health information website, which has a section on body image, which has a kind of tutorial for how to style the body that by problem area. So if you have small breasts, you should wear this. And so essentially it's a tutorial in body dissatisfaction. Mm. And you're being told all bodies can be made to look good, but the subtext is you must make your body look good. And so there's these very mixed messages going on. And I think so I think there's this much broader issue that we need to move away from this focus on individual pathologies to these broader structures that tell particularly women that they should do this, this and this or be concerned about this, this and this. And I think beyond that, the idea that women continue to be vali valued by how they look, by mm. their bodies and by their appearance. And the messages on this are very constant. And we can see it in terms of women's, the lack of valuing women in terms of equal pay. And all of those issues, I think, feed into this focus on the body for women in a way that is very, very problematic. Karen, thank you very much. Thank you very much.